Leafs failed to close it out in five. On to game six we go, Dave. Welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the April 28th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive and 1050's Leafs Launch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. If you are an everydayer, you already know this, but if you're new to the show or a first-timer, Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf Century Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also catch us up on YouTube as well. That's Locked on Lease on YouTube. We got new content coming out each and every weekday, uh, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed throughout the duration of this big time playoff run, which, uh, you know, the first round series extended another day, Dave. Leafs unable to get it done in five. That's now 10 straight. 10 straight opportunities that this Leafs core have had to close it out and have failed to do so. Yeah, it's great. It's just fantastic that we're back here again. Um, look, I, I understand, you know, I, like this is a, this is the case of just the Leafs um, finally getting kind of the result that they deserved. Yes. That's the best way to put it, you know, yes, they won the last, two games they had won them they had great comebacks but it was also like they were playing with fire a little bit and tampa bay knew that and tampa's like if we can just stick to what we're doing we're gonna get the result and that's exactly what happened i i like i don't think people should be surprised about that i think just what was disappointing is that the leafs didn't change anything to make themselves put themselves in a better position in a game that would have eased a lot of nerves, a lot of uh, a lot of concerns, and now we're talking about the same old thing again. That the, the famous two words, killer instinct. We're going to be hearing a lot about that over over the next two days. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have the killer instinct last night. They were playing a little hesitant, a little bit on their heels, as opposed to on their toes in the first, you know, a little bit of that game and. To your point, they did get the the result that they deserved, and they've kind of gotten a couple of lucky wins here where they've come from behind and Tampa's took their foot off the pedal. Wasn't the case last night. I mean, they did get close. They, they made it 3-2, and they brought it to within one. Matthew scored late, but uh, Tampa able to actually shut things down, won a key face-off draw, ultimately made it 4-2, and that was Curtin's game over from there. Um, yeah, like how how – concerned are you now today than you were yesterday when you woke up that maybe the Leafs don't actually uh, don't actually do this thing like because now this this is the problem with not closing it out in game five now you got to go back to Amelie Arena in Tampa where you know that Tampa Bay pissed that they pissed away two games on their home in their home building on home ice they're gonna come out and they're gonna be so they're going to be so difficult to beat in in game six. Not only because 
again, their season's on the line, but somebody has finally showed up here. Okay. The boogeyman has finally arrived. Andre Vasilevsky. That was the biggest takeaway from last night's game is, uh oh, uh oh. Andre Vasilevsky, the real Andre Vasilevsky, he might be back. Like early in that game, I, I realized it. I mean, Riley scored pretty early on, and it was like, okay, all right. So they got an early goal, maybe, you know, similar situation to what we've seen, a more high scoring game. We'll see. And then he really just dialed it in and locked it down from there on out. Like the, the flurry of saves he made on that power play that just absolutely robbed Nylander. You know, Nyes had a really good opportunity in tight in that game. Marner on the breakaway in the third period. That guy was dialed in, man. Dialed in. And uh, that, that's that got to be a concern more so um, for Leaf fans as they head down for game six and seven. Because we saw what Vasilevsky did last year in game six and seven. He shut it down. Shut it down. I don't know, man. This is, uh, you know, I I still think the Leafs should be able to pull this thing off. But what what I witnessed out of Vasilevsky last night does make me feel like, what if he does it again? What if he steals this series back for them? Yeah, it gave me. There was a bit of that game seven vibe from last year in this game when it came to like the Leafs were getting really good chances, and Vasilevsky was you know, was keeping them out. Right. But I think what was more disappointing was the other end, right? Like Ilya Samsonov, you know, the, the Leafs score a goal. And then not, like, I, obviously the first goal wasn't all Samsonov's fault, but you know, that's when you would kind of hope that he could have saved. And then the second goal, like, Sam, like, like Vasilevsky is making these great saves and then Samsonov lets in an absolute stinker. And you're just like, in a game like this, when you're looking at how, how the Leafs can close it out, Samsonov plays a big factor into that, right? Like, he's got to make those saves. You can't allow a goal like that in a in an elimination game, right? In the game where every every play can have such a drastic outcome, you know, in how, how things shake out, that, that second goal was a backbreaker in yeah. a lot of ways. And, you know, the Leafs were also under surge quite a bit. They didn't test Vasilevsky a lot, especially in that second period. That second period was, I don't know what it is with, about second periods with this team and against Tampa. They just don't have it. But you, this is where, you know, your goaltender needs to make a save for you, like, and and just try to counteract what's going on on the other end. And, yeah, that's why it's proving, again, that Vasilevsky is that X factor for Tampa. You know, they have such great players, um, you know, up front. But if Vasilevsky isn't at his best, we see what happens, you know, and the Leafs are going to have to figure out a way to make things a little bit tougher on Vasilevsky. I know they they hasn't they haven't made it easy, but they got to find a way to make it a little more challenging and getting more traffic in front. Right. Doing those things that they were doing in those comeback victories to get get those wins. Yeah, I mean, you, you do got to give credit to Tampa, who played really well last night. Like, t Tampa, they realized their season was on the line, and they came out, and they fought for every inch of that ice. They were not letting the bodies, you know, sit in front of Vasilevsky as often as they were in games two, three, and four, right? They were out there. They were moving guys off their marks and winning a lot of those battles in front of the net and, you know, even up top, right? So, there wasn't a whole lot that they were able to do. They were blocking shots too, right? There wasn't a lot of shots that were 
getting through like that there was in game two, three, and four. So that's got to be something that the Maple Leafs got to try and get back to doing. They got to, like you said, it's not that they weren't there, but they just weren't getting those shots through enough. There was a lot of block shots <clears throat> last night coming from from the point. Um, but to your point, the uh, that that goal that he allowed on Sorelli again. I mean, Justin Hall. That whole play was just a, a backbreaker. Like him going for a hit, missing it, allowing the the easy uh, break in, and then nobody picking up the guys in front of the net, and they were able to kind of stuff it into the back of the net. Like I don't really know what the hell was going on there, but uh, I will say this: you know, you're right. Samsonov just can't can't allow a goal 30 seconds after Riley scores, and like gives the crowd one of these big bad boys to get everyone fired up. And then it completely silences the crowd with a response like that. It's, it's not, uh, that's not something that the Maple Leafs can allow. Like that's almost as bad as allowing a goal in the final period in the final minute of a period. Like you allow a goal 30 seconds after you score. Ah, it's just, it's tough, man. It's really, really tough. So there's that one. The second goal, you're right. The third was a bit of a broken play. I guess I can't really fault Samson up on that one. But the first two, yeah, those were those were tough uh, tough plays for sure, uh, which we'll get to on the other side when we get to our good, bad, and ugly before we start to tee up game six. But before we get any further, Dave, let me tell all the good folks listening and watching to the show about uh, one of our good pals at eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with their vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Uh, exclusions also apply. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs, reacting to Toronto's 4-2 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. The series now sitting at 3-2. Toronto still in control, still in the driver's seat as they head down to Amelie Arena. Uh, but as we continue to look back on last night, We'll go through our good, bad, and uglies from the game as we do after every single Leafs loss here on the show. But why don't we start with the good? We've talked a lot about the bad so far, so why don't we start with something, uh, some good in last night's game, Dave? Because it's not like they were completely terrible. There was some good last night. I thought William Neander was really good last night. You know, when the puck was on his stick, a lot of good things were happening, especially in that offensive zone. I thought he deserved a goal or two in that game. He was just that good. Um, and, and he really has been good in those games where the Leafs have needed to find a way to get a win, right? In those elimination games. I know they're 0 for 10, but um, he's... He, game well. He's known as big game well. Yeah. Like, that that goal, the tying... Well, the the goal that that gave them a chance late in the in the third period was he he's the one that started, right? You think back to even the goal that Ryan O'Reilly scored to tie it up in game, a uh, game three. It was Neilander was the one that made the play to the front of the net, and uh, and right instead of going back to the point or something like that, he decides to put it on net, and and it's he's kind of he's kind of perfected that play where he can just throw it on net and hope for Vasilevsky to have an issue corralling it, and a rebound happens, and and good things happen when Neilander does a play like that. So I I think he's. He's he's done really good after you know 
he had a bit of a you know disappointing time with Tavares, and then they finally decide to move him, and he's uh, he stepped up uh, in the last few games for sure. Yeah, I think he's he's been he was pretty good last night. I thought he was a little quiet in game four, and then he came through the big time drawn penalty in overtime, which led to the game winner. Um, I thought that he was good. You know, I, I thought that he was one of the better forwards for sure out there for Toronto tonight. Um, but for me, I, I, I got to give some more props to, to Morgan Riley. I mean, this guy continues to keep playing a very high level of, of hockey, which is so welcomed, honestly, like after such a tough season, man, it's, it's really nice to see him stepping up. And especially when you look at how much the rest of the decor is kind of struggling, like TJ Brody hasn't been. Uh, up to par, up to his standard. Uh, Justin Hall, which we'll get to in a moment, that Hall and Geo pairing definitely has not been up to standard. So for Morgan Riley to be stepping up and really kind of leading that defense is is nice to see. You know, got the ball rolling with the game's first goal last night and made a couple of solid back checks too on the power play to take away you know, some scoring chances. He was getting in some shot lanes. So, you know, I thought Morgan Riley and Luke Shen, like they've legitimately been probably the best pairing that the Toronto Maple Leafs have had so far. Um, they were last night again in, in terms of expected goals. You look at those two last night, both on the ice, 56% expected goals when they were out there. So, you know, I thought that uh, Bo and Luke Shen, they, they deserve a lot of the credit for what's going on um, on the blue line. Pretty much the only pairing that has had success uh through all throughout pretty much so uh, i want to give uh give them a little bit of a shout out all right anything else that was good that you want to touch on before we move on to uh the bad um i mean i, I thought austin matthews looked pretty good as well when he like he had some good moments in this game. Oh, no, man. I, I was a little i expected more, I mean, I expected more but i didn't think he was terrible I didn't think he was good enough. Yeah, but not being terrible isn't an excuse to put him to say he was good. It's like so for Austin, being good is more terrible, to be honest with you. Like you expect him to really show mm-hmm. it's not that you expect him to, but we've been waiting for him to show up in these yeah. moments. And when a game's on the line like this and he just takes the bull by the horns and goes and says, Get on my back, boys, like he did in game four. I was expecting him to come out with the same level of urgency off the bat and go forward and have himself a hell of a night. I didn't really see that. I thought he blended in a little bit too much. He did score late, obviously, but well, I will he, say. Wasn't, he wasn't the top. To me, he wasn't the top. I don't know. I, I, I would say he was more okay than good. I will say that. this. Him stepping up after the geo hit, that deserves a little bit of, uh, you know, something. Sure. sure. You can give him love for that. I don't know how much he stepped up. I think he's just kind of. Hey, there's been time when Maroon came over and tried to stuff him in a locker and he didn't really do anything. Well, hey, I've heard too many times Austin Matthews doesn't want to get involved with anything physical and he wasn't, she didn't shy away either, though. Eh, sure. I mean, he does need to be better. I I just don't think he was like invisible. That's all I'm going to say. What's the stat line last night? Uh, I think he was shotless at five on five, actually. But end of the night with three shots, four hits, 23 minutes of play, and was uh, an even Steven zero in terms of uh, goal differential last night. So it was okay. You know, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. He was James Reimer just okay. 
Uh, but someone who was not just okay, someone who was quite terrible and, and poor in last night's performance, <sighs> Justin Hall, man. You're going to give him bad. I was saving him for the ugly. Well, the ugly was the 2-1 goal by Samson out for me. I'll, oh. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. But, I mean, you could put him in the ugly for sure. On the ice for uh, for three goals last night, and a couple of them, like, pretty egregiously, you know, he's not doing the right things. Um, what do you think happens with Justin Hall going forward? Um. Nothing, because you heard Sheldon Keefe talk about how I'm going to bring up the quote that on Mike Stevens question, which is him basically saying, you know, Justin Hall has been on the ice for it was 73 percent of the goals. Yeah, uh, 14 out of the 19 or 20 goals that Tampa's scored so far in the series. Justin Justin Hall has been on the ice. And, you know. What's kind of the message with Timothy Lilligren sitting up in the press box, which I don't think that's how I would have asked the question. I probably would have just spotlighted it on Justin Hall. And he said, well, he's not the only one on the ice when those goals are scored. True, but he is on the ice when all those goals are scored. Like, like it's kind of a like you can you can put the blame on everybody on the ice in that situation. And you could put the blame also on Giordano too. I it's guess the pairing, the pairing, like the, the the pairing itself has been a big issue throughout this entire playoff. Like, and the 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 weird part is there's been stretches where that pairing has played some really good hockey, um, but it, that has not been this stretch here at all. Uh, even when they're playing against third, fourth line minutes, like they're they're losing those minutes. It's it's not good. It's just not a good situation. And, you know, Giordano's kind of looking a bit his age, like maybe the minutes, the hard minutes that he had played through the regular season, maybe getting to him, they're catching up at this point. And Justin Hall can't anchor a line. So when Gio's, you know, not playing up to his standard, that's going to that's gonna fault Justin Hall too, right? Gio can't make up for the mistakes that Hall, you know, makes. And then those start to compound. And then, you know, Alex Kerfoot's unable to get to, to his man. And then boom, there you go. They they end up scoring on that goal there. Like it's there's a bunch of compounding mistakes that are happening when when this pairing's out there. So yeah, it's not just Justin Hall, but if Justin Hall doesn't make that mistake, other people aren't forced to have to cover for him. And then all of a sudden the puck's probably not in the back of the net if that original mistake isn't made. So I don't know. I, I still think um I actually think that there it's time to make a change. And I know I've been pretty pretty high on Justin Hall. Not high on him, but I've been more lenient with Justin Hall than most, and I've understood why he's in the lineup, the value he brings to the lineup. But it's not all too valuable when you're giving up goals. Like, I know he plays the most amount of time, like on the PK, and he plays some hard minutes. But when he's allowing goals playing in those minutes, that doesn't really matter, does it? So I think I'm getting to a point now where I, I am willing in game six to – to go to Lilligren, um, I just think that, uh, you know, we've seen some decent play out of out of Giordano and Lilligren. And I think one of the bigger things that the Maple Leafs are having a tough time doing right now is getting the puck out of their own zone. Um, like, if you listen to the post-game press conference, a lot of what Morgan Riley is saying, what the coach is saying, what Austin Matthews is saying is, you know, they got to get their puck out of their zone a lot better. Like, their their exit rates are are really low compared to where they should be. And 
you know, Lilligren is a much more efficient puck mover than Justin Hall. So I, I, I also think just for what they are struggling to do, Lilligren would probably help out in that aspect a little bit more than Justin Hall would at this point, especially when he's battling his confidence. So I, I think I'm getting ready to to make that make that switch. And, you know, last night's game, when you're on the ice for three goals and you're just not playing well, I think a night in the press box would suit him suit him and suit the team a little better, to be honest with you. I'm going to add two more points to that. And not just that I'm getting ready, I'm ready for it. Um, it's not just the play in the defensive zone and trying to get the puck out. It's also the in the neutral zone and trying like, – I think the big issue with Hall and Giordano is they're having a hard time with the speed. Yeah. Pace of play of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that a lot of that starts in the neutral zone because Tampa's going to come up with speed. You look at the goals that were allowed when Justin Hall and Mark Giordano are on the ice. A lot of it starts with, you know, I look at, you know, Justin Hall failing to make a play on a guy who has the puck in the neutral zone, having to turn back, and he's out of position. Loses his stick and it took 45 minutes to pick it up. Like yeah, the the third the Nick Paul goal, he has a chance to make a play on a hit, fails to make the hit, and then loses his stick. He's out of the way. There was not a single defenseman in sight on that goal, right? It was the fourth line forwards that had to do the defending down low. I don't know about you, but that's not really ideal. I understand it's a team effort, and you have to all defend. Is that the Paul or the Sorelli goal? I can't remember. Um, that was the that was the Paul goal because Zach Aston Reese decides he wants to play Pele with the puck. Right. Kicks it. It hits right. Nick Paul. Nick Paul shoots it. Zach Aston Reese, in his credit, blocks it. And then David Camp takes Elias Samsonov out of the equation. I don't know what happened there. That was a broken play. I mean, once you know someone goes to shoot it, Samsonov's trying to make that save, and then all of a sudden, you know, the shooter has a whole new angle and an extra shot and that's a broken play. I mean, that 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 is what it is. But, again, that play doesn't happen if Justin Hall finishes his check and separates the man from the puck instead of letting – I think it was Hagel potentially. No. Anyways, whoever it was, letting him, you know, skirt right past him, right? Like he goes to hit the guy, and instead he just kind of skirts right past him and skate, keeps skating through the contact, and now Justin Hall's out of position, no stick. And next thing you know, the puck's in the back of the net. Like, yes, that the play started by Justin Hall not erasing that zone entry, right? That zone entry denial was not there, which could have completely stopped that from happening. And that was a big goal. Like, that was the insurance marker that that technically turned out to be the game-winning goal. Like, that was a big goal, and that was a big play, and he whiffed on it. Yeah, and you, you look at the second goal. It's because Justin Hall decides to turn one way, but it wasn't the right way, and he gets beat. It gives the the shooter a clean path to the net, but it's also the stretch pass, right? Uh, Bogosian makes that stretch pass to Izuma, and you know Justin Hall does nothing to kind of shut the play down. He gives Izuma the path, the path. He gives him positioning on that. It, it, it's plays like that that really. That, that's where I'm I, like, Justin Hall is really struggling. And I don't know how, you know, it's going to change. And Tampa understands that and they, and they, they're exploiting it. A lot of media members saying right now, Justin Hall, his, he's being exposed by, by this Tampa, you know, when, when Isamot's able to, you know, make Justin Hall look bad, I think that's a sign that maybe something needs to change there. 
Yeah, I mean they're they're taking liberties with him essentially. Like they're they're putting the puck in his end of the ice and they're making him make a play and he's failing to do so. Um so that was your ugly, I'm guessing was was Justin Hall. <laughs> uh yeah, cuz he was my ugly cuz my bad was Mitch Marner. Okay. Expand. Yeah. I mean, we w- talked about Austin Matthews not being great. I thought he wasn't brutal. He wasn't also wasn't great. Uh, Mitch Marner, if he scores that breakaway goal, it changes the complexion of that game, right? And yeah, I was severely disappointed that that's the attempt on net that he like. I, he baffles me sometimes when he has the puck on his stick, and it feels like he makes the play like the um, the panic play, right? Like you have a chance to get in tight on on Vasilevsky, and you just take the just take the first shot you think of, and that's a little that's a little disappointing for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What were you expecting him to do on that play? <laughs> like, I guess he could have deked him, try to deke, but it, I don't know. Vasilevsky one on one, it's it's a pretty daunting task. I don't know. It is. No, it is, but yeah, I've tried to make it a little tougher on the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's been beat though clean, right? Like that's kind of been the book on him. And I know with traffic and whatnot, but you know, he's been beat. And I think what was it last year? You know, his his blocker side was an issue somewhat. So he tries to shoot uh, blocker side, and yeah, unfortunately, wasn't on it was was unable to to score and. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think Mitch Marner played uh, played very well either last night. I didn't think he was awful. Um, I thought the line was okay though. Like the the him Tavares and Nyes. I thought Nyes had a couple of good opportunities. I put Nyes in the good category actually. Joe Tavares was good too. I thought. Yeah, yeah, he I thought that he was kind of silly at times in that game, but it's just they weren't able to get production. I just thought I expect I expect more from if we're gonna expect something from Miles Matthews. You got to put Mitch Marner in that category too. Yeah, yeah, nope, you're uh, you're not wrong. I do want to have one. Uh, just not that I am coming to the defense of Justin Hall, but uh, if you look at the his on ice save percentage, so when he's on the ice, like Ilya Samsonov isn't helping him out either. He's got a seven fifty six on a save percentage with Justin Hall on the ice. That's pretty much, I think, uh, one, two, uh, so anyone who's played at least 40 minutes in the, in, in the playoffs this year, nobody has a worse save percentage when on the ice than Justin Hall. So he's also not getting the stops, right? Like that Isamont should have been a save probably. Mm-hmm. You think about the bad luck on that third goal with Zach Cass and Reese. So I will say that, like, to, again, to go back into a more Sheldon Keefe, more measured level-headedness when it comes to that decision, there has been a, a bad element of puck luck that's also been involved with a lot of these goals that are end up ending up in the back of the ice, uh, in the into the back of the net. But I'm still ready for uh, for for a change. All right, Dave. Really quickly, uh, we'll take one more break and let's come back and, and try and tee up game number six. And another question comes to the forefront: Does Michael Bunting get back into the lineup? We'll discuss that next. Welcome back into the Locked On These podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave 
Morasudi. All right, we are. Uh, we've we've had a full night to sleep on game number five, and we're on to game number six now. And the Maple Leafs still in the driver's seat, up three two in the best of seven. Two more kicks at the can to try and close it out and uh, advance to the second round for the first time since two thousand and four. Uh, game six tomorrow night. I think the big question going into it is going to be the same one that was going into game five that Sheldon Keefe will have to ask himself to play or not to play Michael Bunting. What say you, Dave Morissuti? Well, we made the, we, we said that, you know, it was tough to take anybody off that fourth line. I think you could definitely make the case that one of those guys should come out for Michael Bunting at this point. I, I think you need, you need to be able to... Hold on. Before, before you're right. Mm-hmm. We need to say something right now because I keep seeing it all over the place. Yep. People are like, oh, Bunting can't come in or, or oh, you, you you know, Nyes can't come up. The question is not Bunting for Nyes. Nyes it's, never, it. it's never been that. It's no. never been that. Not Like, I know that Bunting came in or Nyes came in for Bunting, but Bunting is not coming out for Nyes to go or Nyes not coming out for Bunting to go back in. No. For anybody in Leafs Nation who has that thought, it's like, oh, Bunting can't come in. Nye's been awesome. Yeah, Nye's isn't the guy who's coming out. It's going to be one of those fourth-line players, and there will be some line juggling. Bunting will not go on the fourth line. I can also guarantee that. No, he is not. Um, he's going to probably be on that third line with with Ryan O'Reilly. That's kind of where I think it's going to happen, or second line with John Tavares. I think he goes on the top line with, top with line? Austin Matthews. I mean, I wouldn't hate that either, right? You just, at this point, I think we were waiting for a reason to put him in, right? And the Leafs just need someone that's going to bring something a little extra, right? His fortune, his, his, you know, grittiness is still something that I like. And you know what? Now you're going to have a motivated Michael Bunting. I think that's something to be brought into the fact that he wants to play. He knows what he did was bad. I think having him sit that game probably sends a little bit of a message too that you know what you gotta earn yourself into the good graces of the coaching staff to try to get back into the lineup and sitting out and the team losing i think that should send a bit of a message to justin hall that if we put you in you got to be doing a lot of things right than a lot of things wrong when you come back into the lineup yeah michael bunting um yeah, I think if he does come, I think he does come in, by the way. I, I also think it's it's time for And we said that, like going into game five, we, we said, no, I don't think you mess with a winning lineup. Also, the way that everything kind of shakes out right now, people are playing well, coming off a good, you know, good back half of that fourth game where they shook up the lines and then they were going to roll with that for game five. But then game five did not go well, right? They lost the game. They didn't play as well as, as we thought maybe they would. So I think there's going to be some line juggling again. So it makes sense to get Michael Bunting back into the game. I do like him up on that top line, though. I don't sure. see him as a definitely not on the second line, third line, or fourth line because those three lines are really the ones who have the most defensive responsibility. Up top, you look at a line with Matthews, Nylander, and Michael Bunting. Just let them loose in the offensive zone and do their thing. Like that, that's really what they can do. And look, I, 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 as good as Callie Yarncroft, I guess, has been up there, like Michael Bunting still is the better player, I believe, um, offensively at the very least, not in his own end, but offensively, I think he's the better player. He can create a little bit more. Um, so I think that that is a good a good spot to put him. I'd probably keep Nyes, Tavares, and Marner together. And then I would kick Yarncroft down to the third line. 
with uh, definitely Ryan O'Reilly, one of Achari or Kerfoot, and then whichever one isn't there goes down to the fourth line. I might keep Achari there, actually, and send Kerfoot down to the fourth line to give him a little bit of, of speed because I think, I don't know, Lafferty or Zach Aston Reese, like which one? Before game five, I think I would have said take out Zach Aston or take out Lafferty. And now after game five, I'm like, eh, maybe Zach Aston Reese might be might be a guy who could come out of the lineup. I don't think it really matters which one comes out, to be honest with you. No. But I think maybe Kerfoot goes down to the fourth line because he can still play good, solid defense. And he always looks like an all-star when he's on the fourth line, to be honest with you. And uh, he can bring a little bit of speed and pace to that fourth line. Um, and so if, you know, Lafferty does end up getting taken out, like he can re- replace that pace that Lafferty brings um, and see if they can try and bring the puck up and, and spend a little bit of time in the Ozone uh, in, in game number six. So that would be my preferred lineup. And then I would also make the switch up while I'm at it to put Lilligren in over uh, over Justin Hall. Yeah, I think I think it just sends a message that from Sheldon Keith that the last few games the Leafs have not played at their best, and we need to make a change. And I think there's guys who have been waiting for an opportunity that deserve to at least get the chance to show what they can do. And I I think yeah, you can't go wrong with either Lafferty or or Aston Reese. It, 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 you're either taking a guy who brings speed to the lineup or another guy that brings a little bit more of that sandpaper, right? It's I think you got. The speed from Kerfoot that can that can make the absence of Lafferty okay, and you know Kerfoot plays the penalty kill, so you've got that. He has that working for him too. Um, so yeah, I think either one would work, and yeah, I think my Bunting, you make a good point for him to be back on the top line, and uh, yeah, let's see if Shelton Keefe actually does it because <laughs> there's been times where he's been a little too unwilling to make those changes and. At this point, you got you just don't want this to go to game seven. You just don't get it done in game six. Don't don't even put those doubts or thoughts into people's minds at this point. No, don't, 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 please don't. God, no. Like if we have to come back on the show on Monday and tee up a game seven, like I dude, I'll be so upset. So like it. just put them away, man. Put them away, Toronto. Get it done in six. Don't chance it to a do-or-die Game 7. They have not done you well in those do-or-die situations. Game 6 also has not done them very well in the past either, however. And uh, again, the way that Vasilevsky kind of woke up in Game 5, it is a little worrisome. Um, I did uncover this little gem of a stat that last season, Games 1 through 5, Vasilevsky an 880 save percentage, Game 6 and 7, 938 save percentage. Games one through four this year, 856 save percentage. Game five, 933 save percentage. Is he back? I don't know. Guess we'll find out tomorrow. And if he is, good luck to the Maple Leafs. They're going to have to try as hard as humanly possible to get pucks past him if they're going to want to win a hockey game. Or Ilya Samsonov can also play at uh, a high elite level and I think we will get a pretty, pretty even, Stephen, low-level, tight, tight checking game in game number six. I think that that we see it, and um, the one good stat also that I think is in favor of Toronto road teams in the series so far four and one on the road, so could mean good things for the Maple Leafs.
We'll see. We'll see. All right. That does it for us here today on the pod. I'd like to thank you guys for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms. You receive daily Leafs content, including here up on YouTube. We ask that you subscribe. We're so close to the 3K, Dave. We need about 50 more subscribers to get there. So if you are a listener to the show and you're an everydayer who is yet to subscribe, what are you waiting for? Go ahead, hit that subscriber button, and also click the notification bell so you know exactly when we drop new videos each day. Uh, all right, we'll be back with another episode for y'all on Monday. Hopefully by then the Leafs have closed the series out and we could start a celebration and then we could start to look ahead to round two. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.